Rivers Fog, a podcast dedicated to navigating and clearing the hazy fog of grief by sharing inspirational, raw, beautiful, and sometimes humorous stories. This podcast does not provide medical or therapy advice, but rather creates opportunities to transform the way we think and talk about grief and the importance of recognizing our daily griefs. We're the co-founders and hosts, Jim and Andrea, who simply want to create ripples in the water in your community so you can live well and die well because you can grieve well all the losses. We plan dropping new episodes every Wednesday with transcripts available upon request. Be sure to see show notes for further details. Hey, this is Zach Parsons with the Honeymoon Coffee Company. It is so cool to say that our location on Weinbach Avenue near the University of Evansville was the unofficial birthplace of the What Matters Most Evansville movement, the first meeting between Jim and Andrea. Come check us out sometime at either of our locations. Um, You can find us on social media, then come in and work on birthing your own big idea. Can't wait to see you. Cheers. Amy Lloyd, thank you so much for joining us today, everybody. She is a local to the Evansville area, so welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Yes. Well, if anyone's listened, you know, for the few people in our audience that have listened to some of Jim and I's other recordings, that we've talked about our picnic table conversations. And I met Amy Mm -hmm. by some picnic tables at Wilson Park (laughs) last year and learned a little bit about her work as a life coach and I was just initially really attracted to her and I know that her passions and her work did not just happen overnight and so knowing parts of her story we have just asked her to to share a little bit about that Um, and you know you had shared knowing and unknowing yourself and how you are where you are today so you can kind of start wherever you would like, Amy. That's a that's a okay. big that's a big Yeah, so start kind of wherever you would like of you know, how you're sure. sitting here on your first podcast. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yes. This is great. This is great. Thank you guys for having me. I'm really happy to share a little bit about what I do and and what brought me here from whence I came. Um, believe it or not, I am a respiratory therapist. So that's where I got started. I went to USI. I actually started out at pre-med and my life changed. I needed to get a degree. I, I, I have a degree in respiratory therapy and I'm a health services uh, bachelor's degree from USI. So Spriegels is what they say now. Spriegels. Well, now you're just breathing good air into people in different ways. So continue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Good point. Good point. But um, anyway, so that's kind of where I started. And for 20 years, I have also been a Mary Kay sales director. So I have owned my own business since 2001. That's when I got my entrepreneurial start. And it was all in an effort to work from home, not stay at home, but work from home. And that was honestly such a step in that direction of taking charge of my life and doing what I wanted to do and build my own dreams. And it, it was, I mean, gosh, it was excellent. It was just an excellent way to safely put my foot into that pool of, of building a business. Um, what I found is, if you know, Mary Kay, you sit at a table and you get to know people 
and you think it's about makeup, yeah. but it's really not about makeup. Yeah, it's, it's I know. It's more some... about, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's more about sharing life. And so I found that my favorite part of the appointments wasn't matching foundation or trying new lipstick, although that's really fun. It was getting to know the woman on the other side of that table. Mm-hmm. And for an hour, it was, it was just the two of us, or maybe it was a, it was a group of women, but you know, I think people have this idea that if you get a group of women together, it's going to be a lot of just cackling and different things like that. But honestly, if it was just me and a, and a client, it was sometimes it got to be some really deep stuff because maybe for the first time that day, she got to stop and she had a captive audience, someone that really was interested in what she had to say yeah. and where she was in life yeah. and what was going on. So... I I love that having, I didn't know that part about. Okay, oh, I yeah. love this story. Okay. Yeah. So something kept, we talked about nudges. Mm-hmm. I kept getting this nudge. Like, this is great, but there's something else I need you to do. And I'm like, to my inner self, what? I thought, what? I thought this was it. And so um, I started asking other people, people like you and Jim, like, what do you do? And how do you do it? And Life coaching kept coming up and I was like, "Mm, I don't know, come on. But the more research I did and the more people I talked to, I realized that this is the direct, because it literally uh, covered, checked all the boxes of how I wanted to do, because I certainly didn't want to solve any problems for people like telling them what to do. Mm -hmm. But I knew I was a good listener and I knew that this is something that I believe our culture needs right now. It needs people like me, therapists, counselors, deaf doulas, people helping professions that truly will hold space for another person. Because mm-hmm. we live in such a microwave society yeah. where everything's fast, 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 right? Microwave society. I'm, I'm writing that down. I, I haven't yeah. heard that term. I love it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I hate it, but I love it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> And, and, you know, I'm just like the next person. I mean, I was raised to be um, efficient and you get the job done. You don't quit. You, you know, you don't quit when the clock strikes five. You quit and the, when the work is done. So my dad was a dairy farmer. So we definitely mm, grew yeah. up, you know, I grew up on a uh, the, not a traditional work clock. It was very much you just stop when the work is done. So when I started, I've... I've finished two coaching programs. One of them, a lot of people will know, is the Martha Beck Wayfinder Life Coach Program. So I'm a certified Wayfinder. Um, And then right now I'm in a program with someone called Mary Houston, and it's all about uh, joy of money and money shame. And that kind of intersects with with a lot of women as well. So I'm, yeah. So any problem that comes up professionally is usually a personal problem. And a lot yeah. of times it kind of goes back to scarcity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can you just kind of explain what a life coach is for those oh, who, because yes. there's lots of ideas of that out there. Just tell us, right. tell us what your philosophy and your approach to life coach is. Sure. Absolutely. Um, a life coach is not a therapist. So um, a life coach is someone like me helps a client look forward. It's always forward focused. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that we won't, I won't ask questions about what's going on, but um, usually a client comes to me with a goal or a place where they're stuck. They want to move forward, but they can't, or they can't see a path forward. As a coach, I provide clarity of thought and clarity of goal. 
I provide accountability because accountability um, in its most, not in a harsh way, but accountability, like a safe place to come back to and say, hey, I tried this. It didn't work. We need to try something else. Um, encourager. That's mm-hmm. probably my favorite part. It's just being really encouraging. I listen I like deeply listen. So for example, if I'm on the phone with someone and they're telling me something, I can hear changes in breath. I can hear changes mm-hmm. in tone. Um, or even just knowing when to remain silent. If someone, I can tell someone is working something out. Yeah. Um, kind of as a joke, I, I said, oh, probably over a year ago, oh, I'm just the emergency room for your thinking. Um, <laughs> which I thought was funny. <laughs> That's- but yeah, it was fun. But a great way to explain coaching is I am an unbiased brainstorming partner. Mm, yeah. I like that. Because I so often will have people reach out and they're like, all right, Andrea, I just want to work on, on, on this. Give me these solutions. Tell me what to do. And I'm like, yeah. no, we're not here to tell you what to do. <laughs> and Mm-mm. so I know that you have done so much work with women and, you know, starting from that Mary Kay, sitting across mm-hmm. the counter from them or maybe side by side and exploring, you know, what is holding you back? What, mm-hmm. what are we putting this makeup on for? What do you want to really feel good about inside and out? And so, right. so, you so I have a, I have a quick question yeah. because I always, I like to find the interesting ways that people discovered some of their talents. So I'm wondering is when you're doing Mary Kay, like before mm-hmm. that, had you ever thought of yourself in this role or do you, did, did you go along in Mary Kay and go, well, I'm a pretty good listener. Well, I like, I t- like, a, and not, not just a good listener, but a good person who can kind of pick apart what they're saying and whatnot. Did that, was that, cause we met some other people who find out they're kind of good at listening and doing this stuff, but it's in something that was not directly yeah. listening. So I'm wondering. It actually goes back before that, because when I would treat patients, my, my, and I, again, to your point, Jim. I never thought, oh, this is going to make me good at this. Right. But when I would work with my patients before it got really super busy, I would have this ability to ask about them and how they were feeling and not just, okay, cough. Okay. Take a deep breath. Um, I was able to really connect. Connect. I was just going to say courage and hold space because a lot of times these people would be in these rooms all by themselves. Right. Right. And I didn't want to be another because I've been in the hospitals with other people many, many times, and there's so many talented health. Oh my gosh, these healthcare frontline workers. I mean, mm-hmm. amazing. Um, but then when I found myself in Mary Kay, it was the same thing. I'm like, hmm, people tend to tell me lots of things about their life, and right. they must trust. They must trust me with this information. Right. Yeah. So. And there's something think, to be said for that too. I think that's really important because I think there are some people that just naturally. If I go and meet you, as soon as I start talking to you, there's nothing that you've done or said or anything, but I think there are really some people that are just gifted with, oh, this is a person I can trust automatically. Mm-hmm. And I think that's right. like nobody, no, nobody like just comes out and says that, right? It's just like, it's there and, and you have to discover it yourself. Sure. Um, and I honestly think that as human beings, we come pre-wired to trust. I mean, that is just, a, it's a thing. It's, it's a gift. It's something that we we crave. automatically <laughs> as well. we crave, crave yeah. and give. Yes. And, um, and you know, I think sometimes I decided, like, if this is something that I am gifted, I can be patient enough and truly love this person across from me this much 
to give my attention and my, um, my give my bandwidth mm-hmm. to them, then maybe there's something more to this. Maybe this gift needs to be um, honed or expanded or just give it something else. And I just, you know, honestly, I kept pushing it off. I'm like, no, 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 no. I mean, I, this is a good gig I got going on right now. I was earning yeah. cars and, and prizes and trips and like, this is really, really good. And it is, and I loved it, but man, it just, that nudge would not go away. It just yeah. wouldn't. And I remember my mom telling me years ago, she said to me, she said, Amy, I don't know what it is about you, but you can literally talk to anyone you, you, and you give respect and attention to anyone. It does not matter their age or who they are. And I, I think about that frequently now when I do what I do. Yeah. And so if that answers your question. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you're, you're not only listening, but you're also sitting in people's discomfort and you're letting them lean into those uncomfortable conversations in a safe space where maybe they don't know how to talk with their girlfriends or their colleagues or their families about these things that they, they know they want, but they don't even know what they want. And you're helping them discover things about themselves and getting to know themselves and where it is that you you mentioned earlier, you know, partly creating your own life that you were designing for yourself, you know, working from Mm -hmm. home and that flexibility and and now supporting women doing that. Um, Because I'm sure you've had to hear a lot of grief stories from them and maybe they didn't know what they were grieving. Sure. Yeah. You know, um, one of the things I was going to say is that I'm an untroubled space for my troubled client. And I do try so hard to be that window. So the light will shine through, not the light. I am not the light. Mm-hmm. I am clearly, great, <laughs> clearly. Great analogy. You're, you're the vessel. I'm, win- you're the I'm, vessel. The, yeah, I'm the window. Um, and I just, you know, I'm an objective witness too. And there's power yeah. when you can be totally objective. And I'm sure both of you have, have experienced that as well, but there's so much, there's so much power, not, not in the power, greed power, right. but there's, it's just so amazing to be able to be an objective witness to someone else's discomfort and not judge it right. to allow people to feel what they're feeling yeah. instead of, be, instead of being stuck in it. Yeah. When you said earlier, I mean, people are yearning for that. Oh yeah, you know, and then they can't find it anywhere. So when you're the person that kind of a vessel, like that's that's such a great term. So when you're the kind of that vessel that allows them to just mm-hmm. and feel safe, it's huge. Sure, and, and to resist nothing. Like yeah, that's that's the best thing. The part of coaching that I love the most is when you know we start by I always say, paint me a picture. What is it that you want? What what where are you trying to be? Where are you stuck? And and where do you think you want to be? And then we talk about obstacles, of course, but when I start asking questions about, okay, so, um, you know, what, what do you think needs to happen next? That's that co-creative process. I don't know. It's not my job to know. Mm -hmm. My job is to ask the questions to kind of start, you know, putting some space between the emotion and where they want to be. It's kind of like, um, this is where you are. This is where you want to be. And there's this gap. So a coach, a good coach is a, is a bridge mm-hmm. to bridge the gap and, and allow that client and, and to help clear away limiting beliefs, which basically is just debris. Yeah. It's just debris in the roadway. We want to 
pull that away, subtract all the yeah. all the junk to get to that goal. To so focus, you're kind of like a to focus on what matters most of getting of like where they want to be. The emotional garbage person. <laughs> you collect Ooh. right. You're the, like the collector of all that stuff and get it out of the way. Emotional yeah. garbage person. Oh my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> she, that's really awesome. She. I was gonna say. I, and she, I'm just thinking. I hope. I, I hope I didn't like. Don't, like make no, that sound I, bad. No, I. So. Y'all can't see her, but I was like, oh, no, she's liking that. The emotional garbage collector, like, I'm taking this, and I get to dump it well, that's for a, somebody. Yeah, yeah she's well, like, bring it on. We'll dump it. But we'll, that's as you're describing. Like, we'll you're, recycle, just, you're, we'll just, recycle. you're just removing removing all of this stuff that's unhelpful. Like, I'm not going to call it trash because there's some stuff in our lives that's not trash. Right. right. But it's but it's unhelpful. And so you're the yes. person that's just removing the, the all the, the stuff the that's unhelpful. Right. The stuff that doesn't serve you. Right. Yeah. yeah. But, for sure. You know, I know that we have, you know, had other conversations about grief and we know that sometimes grief does serve us, yet we live in a society that wants to put all grief in a trash pile and not deal with it mm-hmm. and not and just see it all as debris getting in the way. Don't deal with the grief, just don't talk about it, don't be uncomfortable, but you're you're kind of letting them at least have that safe space to just process it. Not that they're doing grief therapy, but just processing and maybe just acknowledging the uncertainties. Oh yeah. You know, I think it, I don't know how long ago this was, but I woke up one day and I thought, you know, when we don't make a goal, let's say you have this big goal set for yourself and it doesn't work out. You have to grieve the loss of that. I mean, take the pandemic, for instance, I had a child graduate from college and a child getting ready to graduate from high school and and, 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 yeah. you know, milestone birthdays. My parents celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary. None of those things were truly celebrated like we want to celebrate them. And we did Zoom and, you know, all those things. But it is consistently acknowledging that there is grieving, no matter how, you know, they, they say grieving isn't what a cycle. It's more waves, comes in waves. Yeah. And, yes. Um, um And so even today, guys, even today, I just had this like grief just hit me that I want to be vaccinated already and it's going to be a while. And I had some grief with that because Mm -hmm. I want to go through things too. So I think so many people think that grief is limited to death of a loved one or a friend. Right. And that's absolutely true. There is a grieving process that has to happen with that. But then we think, well, just because I couldn't, um, you know, go to Murray State University and watch my daughter graduate, that's that's nothing compared to what other people um, are definitely dealing with. So we is. don't want to compare grief. Grief is grief is grief. Grief is grief and, is grief. <laughs> and it's natural. Like, this is what our brains are were evolved to do. And so when we try to take all that and put it into, like, like you said, into this bucket or in the trash can and say, I just, this is uncomfortable. I don't want to deal with it. I'm going to eat, drink, drug, whatever I need to do to push these feelings down um, or shop or whatever. Or even you just, you push it down, push it down, push it down. And then I blow up at somebody for no reason because that's all in there. Even if I don't get some addiction, I just wait until it's, I said something that's, I can't take back. Right. And like I said earlier, it's grief is pathologized. So um, we have to remember that just like being happy and enthusiastic and excited there's going to be those, I don't even like to call them negative emotions. I like to call them uncomfortable emotions. Yeah. Like right, yeah. Undesired, anger, yeah. fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's all feedback. 
I think um, one of the things I've known for a while is that an actual physiological emotion lasts for 90 seconds. Yes. Right? And the reason it takes longer than that is because we hold on to it. So typically yes. those, um, those uncomfortable emotions, I call them sticky. Yes. Because if you think about being happy and, oh, and, and excited and enthusiastic about something, it, they're not sticky because we don't think, we just think that we're going to feel like that forever and it, it just blows yeah. like, like a breeze. And th- but then these uncomfortable feelings like resentment and fear and all those things, they tend to like we resurrect them consistently. Yeah. And this so. is like right now I'm giving high fives and attaboys. And if we we're in the same room, I'd give you a big hug because this is what we Andrea and I talk about this all the time, trying to get people to acknowledge your daily grief. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and because then when something big does come, you've practiced that so much it's never going to be easy. Like that's ridiculous. It's going to be easy, but you at least are aware it's and you can do that as and, hard. And also I'm you like, every time I say, well, that's just some little thing. It wasn't that big a deal. Well, mm. it, it was a big deal. Mm-hmm. And if you say that, then it's just going to get worse and worse. But getting people to see that grief is, is daily. And like it, it is. And, and you've already said it, but I'm, I'm just saying that cause I'm excited that you pointed that out. And I love, I guess like, I'm like, yes, I was right. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Well, I, I told you, I said, there, there's a reason. I, I, whenever I met her, um, I was like, dude, like, we, I've got a podcast, too. I don't know what we're doing. We're first-time podcasters. But, like, there's something else there because, you know, even just what you what you shared about grief and what people are doing and dealing with, we're in this collective grief in a pandemic, and it resurfaces. It resurfaces all kinds of stuff, things that mm-hmm. we didn't even know were there. And, you know, obviously with, without disclosing any identifiable information, but clients that you have worked with, or maybe even some of your own experiences, things that you have noticed in regards to how coping with grief has changed. And when you see changes in others or maybe within yourself. Right. So interestingly enough, um, I'm finding that my, I mean, I will pretty much, I will coach any woman. So I'm not saying this, but what I'm finding is that the women that are, I'm finding that are attracted to me, um, are women who, cause I'm, I will say I'm in my forties, late forties, but, um, from my, in this decade, I have found that it has been one huge transition and I told you earlier, it's from the known to the unknown yeah. and man, we don't like uncertainty, do we? No. I mean, and the funny thing is, is that is life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it is. Yeah. It is. <laughs> life is continuous uncertainty, but we, we put up these real convenient constructs around everything and we make it certain. Yeah. We give it meaning. And, um, and we do it. That's just what humans do. But, you know, in that, in this decade, I changed careers I um, changed my faith, like walked away from my faith tradition, which was, that's a whole other podcast. All right. Well, Um, we'll have you back again. (laughs) Yeah. um, I graduated my child from high school and from college and moved her six hours away. So there's all of this cutting of the apron strings, but it wasn't like one cut. It was like a thousand different cuts Mm. over a short, you know, this whole period of time and consistently reorienting myself to what is reality. 
Yeah. Because Byron Katie says we suffer when we argue with reality. Mm. And I constantly had to check myself. No one can see me, but I'm throwing my hands in the air. Yeah. Like we suffer by arguing reality and yeah. just knowing it's, it's not if, but when this is going to change again, you said I'm constantly reorienting oh. myself, like repositioning, where am I at navigating the stars? Where am I driving? What am I, what is my purpose? What is my goal? Where, how much do I call my daughter? What do I do? My business, like just everything reevaluating and those little griefs along the way. And I don't want to say right. little because they're big. Well, they're um, big collectively, but it's, um, constantly something. Life. Yeah, but this is the life that I wanted. I wanted children. I wanted to see them be successful, but I didn't I didn't understand just how much of my heart would yeah. get involved. But see what happens, and I see this with a lot of my clients, we make up all these little stories mm-hmm. that aren't necessarily true. Correct. Right? So, so true. This is and and negativity bias, which basically means we find we go to the worst case scenario of any situation, she's going to move six hours away and never talk to me again. If they have babies, I'll never be able to see them. I mean, I was coming up with all these stories and I'm like, okay, Amy, you're not in the present moment. What's going on right here and right now. Um, what is making this a fact? Is this factual or is this? Oh, right. Who can, who can tell me what are the facts? Yeah, exactly. What are the facts of the situation right now? In fact, I will tell you, that we were supposed to move her. The first part of the ice storm was Wednesday. We were supposed to move her on Thursday. And I was a ball of nerves huh. pulling a trailer, you know, going over towards Kansas city. And I had, I had it in my head that we were going to flip. Mm-hmm. I mean, people do have bad accidents on ice, right. but I mean, I was already constructing this terrible situation. And like- then I finally said, Okay, snap out of it. It is Wednesday. Eat your dinner. Go watch a movie, which is what I did. And then, and then the next day, when you get there, if it still looks dangerous, then make a decision not to go. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Just, isn't it? give, give give ourselves the safe space to pause, reflect. Yep. Um, when I say distract, I don't mean avoid, but just redirect, yep. reorient yep. ourselves with, and especially with some good food. I mean, I, I love a good meal. Right. And to go between, um, am I reacting or am I responding right now? Mm-hmm. And I was 100% reacting. There was no responding until I felt like, you know, get present. What's going, what are the facts of the situation right now? Yes. So this whole decade that I have found myself in, I realized some things, um, about what was going on with me. It's very similar, especially because I started to see all these different ideas and things I wanted to do. It's very similar when I started out as a new college student. There's like a wealth and array of things to do. But when I was in my 20s, I'm like, I want to do everything but couldn't focus on one thing. So I picked the first shiny thing that said, okay, you just need to get your butt out of college. Now, what I am finding as an older adult um, is that there's so much to do, but it's all uncomfortable. This is my comfort zone. It's like my diaper. I made it. It might, it, you know, it's warm. I'm going to sit here for a while, even though it's really disgusting. Um, I can do so great analogy, but we <laughs> always end up somehow talking about potty, balancement, <laughs> something. Yeah, totally. It's because it's part of life, right? It's how we grow. Right. We got, we got to, we got to shit out the bad stuff so we can grow. That's right. 
exactly. We just but in our last that. podcast that we recorded, we had the same the same the same analogy was made about poop and getting rid of poop. So somewhere, oh, yeah. oh. we we are called to talk about poop on this podcast. Well, well I guess we'll, we're we'll, we're we'll not talk about my that. tattoo one day. Sorry, yeah. yes, redirect redirecting. So dealing with all this. Okay. Yeah, but so what you know what we do is what I found with myself is I just didn't do anything. I froze. Yeah. Mm. I froze, and that right there was telling me. I'm in burnout. It, it feels too scary, too uncomfortable. I'm, I'm just that's stay so stuck, yeah. stuck in status quo, yeah. loss of vision, unsure of next steps and how to get there. Attention Evansville, Indiana, local business owners. What Matters Most Evansville wants to promote your business through commercials right here on our podcast. You can send us 15 to 90 second audio clips or we can even create one for you using a script and content provided. All we ask is for any donation of your choice. To learn more, see show notes for further details. Contact us at whatmattersmostevv at gmail.com. Check us out on Facebook at WMMEVV. spoke to a life coach yourself and how was that experience because I, I I'm one of those people where I'm like all therapists should have a therapist all doctors should have a, a good relationship with their doctor and actually speak honestly not just chit chat right so right. as a life coach you have had experience talking with a life coach and experiencing that work and so sounds like some things shifted in your universe where you weren't stuck anymore <laughs> You know, I um, was a person who constantly, I felt like I constantly needed to be validated by someone else, someone outside of me. And what I found through coaching is I really don't need that. Amen. I, valid- I'm, I, I still struggle with that at times, but yes, yes. Yeah. I can validate myself um, and it comes from within. So, but, you know, working, working with, a, I've actually worked with a couple of different coaches, one kind of in the beginning and... I was listening to the gathering room. Martha Beck does a gathering room every Sunday and it's on Facebook. So anyone can watch it, but she does a lot about talking about the change cycle and relates it to what happens to a caterpillar before it becomes a butterfly. Mm. Right. You get get nasty. Yeah. I mean, you, the caterpillar dissolves into bug soup. Well, when I went, so humans are very much the same psychologically um, and when I went to my first coach, I was human soup. I did not, I couldn't tell you what I was doing the next hour, what I should do, what I shouldn't do. It just felt like I was just existing, but that's okay. And it's necessary. Um, so I'm so grateful for people that were super patient with me and understood that that's just where I was in my journey at the time. Um, but, and then, so where I am right now at, is at this threshold of, Finding, you know, finding my ideal client, knowing who to talk to, understanding what problems they're having, which is this podcast is fantastic because um, it's recording my voice and it's recording these thoughts that I have. And so maybe there will be people out that will be like, oh, my gosh, she's telling my story. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. That's what we hope to. Yeah. So this has been fantastic. But um, so what I didn't understand is that this frustration and this confusion, all the stuff that I'm going through right now, or anyone that might be going through right now is, is right before the breakthrough. 
and to not see it as like, well, you know, forget it. I'm not, I'm, I'm turning around and going back. Like resist nothing. Just allow it. See where it will go. Yeah. Check, check in with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, don't resist. You can, I guess, crystallize. Is that the correct caterpillar term? You know, turn that soup into. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. The Imago cells, which, um, contain all the information turned into a butterfly. The most interesting thing about a a caterpillar is it has to be fully fed (laughs) before it can uh, turn itself into a chrysalis, basically. Fully fed. Fully fed, which sounds great, but basically in in human terms, it means we have to get fed up. Mm. Almost sick of our own. So we are full of being fed up. We are dealing with all this. Okay. Yeah, but so what, you know, what we do is, what I found with myself is I just didn't do anything. I froze. Yeah. Mm. I froze. And that right there was telling me I'm in burnout. I'm in burnout. So, um, but to me, it was just a different kind of settling versus settling for the first shiny thing. I'm like, okay, well it, it feels too scary, too uncomfortable. I'm, I'm just that's stay so stuck, yeah. stuck in status quo, yeah. loss of vision, unsure of next steps and how to get there. Yeah, so it's either do the first thing or don't do anything, and both of them are cause just as much trouble. Yeah, and I'm still like, I'm I'm still frustrated, mm. and I'm still confused, and so this is when I found a coach. Mm. When you're and the butterfly you are now, and now you're helping so many people see themselves, um, yeah, for who they really are. Well, and let me add too that. We are always in that little bit of human soup, even for tiny little things. Damn even it, Amy. We're <sighs> always starting over. Okay, I'm writing so, that down. We're always in the soup. Okay. Yeah. And, and it doesn't, and it, I think maybe Jim said, it doesn't have to, we don't have to be there super long. It's kind of like mm-hmm. grieving. If we just accept that it's part of how we become the people that, and you know, I used to say the person we're supposed to be, well, we're always, we're always the person we're supposed to be. There just might be little layers that need to come off like an onion, yeah. right? Yeah. So, um, you know, my sister and I, my sister is two years younger than and, than I am, and we joke all the time about being Crohn's eventually and, um, you know, all the things that come along with being in our 40s and beyond. And a lot of it is just like how much of this was I putting on to to successfully – um, go about in this world of ours. How, you know, how pretty do I have to be? How quiet, how thin, how any of those things do I have to be? And, and this actually also goes to men too, but in, in a different way, Mm -hmm. you know, how macho do I have to be? Um, you know, how much can I, can I appear like I am never showing emotion because I have to be super supportive and, be the rock and all of those things like can, can human beings just be human beings? Like, can we just, can we just be ourselves? So um, that's another reason why I wanted to be a coach because I wanted to be able to encourage that in other, other women. Um, And if there's more of us being truly, I mean, I know this is like totally overused, authentic. We can be our authentic selves. Mm -hmm. Um, And I truly think that uh, if women could really understand all the all the power and all the awesome ideas that they have, mm-hmm. that man, this world would look different. Yeah. 
we just look so different, but you know, one client at a time. Hey, and, and just giving women permission to be uncomfortable in that space, giving themselves permission to want something else that isn't mm-hmm. part of their original plan because right. we feel like we failed. Well, if I'm, if I'm supposed to do this or make this or achieve this, if I didn't, that means I failed. No, it just means your course changed. Yeah, your soup had yeah. some different chemicals in that moment, and uh, your yeah. We, I think we, we live in a society that equates everything. If something didn't happen the way I wanted it to, it's failure, and that's oh. just not that's just not yeah. right. Oh, for sure. And um, success is not made up of a bunch of successes. It's made yeah. up of a bunch of failures. Yeah. Right. right? Yeah. That, yeah. That's that so true. Grieved, that hopefully they've grieved each small mm-hmm. um, loss and failure along the way. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. And, you know, kind of bringing that back to the, the, the pandemic, I mean, it's almost been a year now that we've been living in this and we talked about ambiguous grief and not being able to really put a, put a finger on that. But I don't know that it's necessary that we necessarily identify like I'm feeling grief because this happened. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Can we just say this is uncomfortable and I, I think this is grief. Yeah. Thank and you. I, yeah, yeah, that's great. I just, yeah, just. Just, just I, like I know. It. Yeah, and just, yeah, exactly. Just like, I, maybe I can't figure out exactly what this is, but there's something going on and I can work, I can, I can, at least I have the awareness to try and work it out. And I get a, then I get a life coach and she helps me work it out. <laughs> yeah. A little plug there. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I am so happy that you said that because so often we try to figure out why and what will and should, and then we just should all over ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. And rather than focusing on the why, just what is the what? Like you said, right now, what what is it that I'm feeling? Like check in with your body. What is it that I feel trapped about? So if I feel trapped and, and I don't know what it is, what would what would be different that I wouldn't feel as trapped, you know, and, and just asking those right questions and framing. And I just love what you said about that ambiguous mm. grief. Just it's like, Hey y'all. So, so she said spoken out of her mouth. We'll, we'll figure out a way to coin this into a, you know, a copyrighted thing for you, Amy, is that you don't gotta know what you're even grieving about. And even in our daily griefs of, I don't know, I'm just, frustrated i I just feel like something's missing and we don't know what that is and that's okay we don't have to name it i could like i could come to you amy and i could just say well first i'd have to turn into a woman but then (laughs) so so i so i'm sorry bad bad try it being funny right there but i mean literally 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 i mean i can come to you and you're like there's going to be no judgment when i say amy there is something that is not right i have no idea what it is Let's so, help. so let's do start just, this journey. just for kind of like a little a little thing. So what so what what do you do? I just come in. I come to your office and I say, Amy, I I don't know what to tell you. I know something's not right. Please help mm-hmm. me now. Okay. Then you uh, so then you say, I said, well, first of all, I have you answer some questions. I have an intake form. I <laughs> oh no, okay, got it. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I do have you answer some questions that helps kind of um, guide guide you right. Get some creative juices flowing. Um, but you know, I'll, I'll say, tell me more. That is the best phrase. I think anyone can say, tell me more Yeah. and get you, you know, talking and then you'll tell me more and I'll, and then I'll hear a key word 
and it might be frustration or it might be um, disappointed, um, anger. I mean, it could be any key word that I pick up and I'll say, oh, okay. Well, if you could tell me a little bit more about this disappointment, kind of explain it to me. How does it feel in your body? Mm. Um, what's, what's And when I say, how does it feel in your body? I don't mean, oh, I feel frustrated. I mean, stomach is tight. Yeah. Yeah, you know, my throat feels tight. I'm, I'm clenching my jaw, all those things. So there's a lot of um, just a lot of different questions I ask even around these keywords. Right. That at first might seem like, OK, this is not what I'm paying her for to tell me how my body feels. Right. But there's a lot of gold that's within that to start, again, subtracting what's caused what I thought was causing maybe causing this issue and then. Okay, no. So one of the questions I might, if I, if I have a hunch about something, so I'll say, hey, Jim, I have a hunch. Tell me where I'm wrong. But I have this hunch that, yeah. da, 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 da. And you'll say, oh, yeah, you're right. Or, yeah, no, I don't think that's it. So that's part of the subtraction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Coaching. Yeah. And, and just really, like, I, I love just always looking forward. Okay, what is it that you don't want to keep experiencing or feeling? You don't want to keep feeling trapped. And mm-hmm. you don't want to feel like you keep, grieving more time that you don't have to accomplish your goals. And, you know, I know that you have shared in other conversations that you have worked with folks who, you know, maybe they didn't realize painting or writing was something that they were grieving or needed to help fuel them on their journey of being the best woman that they can be that day or that week or that year. And I don't know if there's anything you want to speak to regarding, regarding that or, or maybe even for yourself personally too. Oh, well, you know, I think when people start telling me, I've always wanted to do insert. I've Mm. always wanted to, I had someone tell me yesterday, she wants to take a group of people to Borneo to, um, the orangutan, um, habitat. And, and she's all about, um, um, sustainability and, um, taking care of the natural world, how we're all connected, so on and so forth. But, I said, okay, well, have you done any research on, you know, what are the logistics? Where would, what airline flights and where would you stay? And would there, would you need a guide? And so she started listing off all of these things and uh, of things that she would need to do. And I said, well, have you done those yet? Huh? No, I haven't. (laughs) And it was just that realization of like, oh, maybe I need to research and again, there's no judgment at all, but right. we can get so caught up in what's not happening yes. right. that we forget that there are action steps. So coaching is very action oriented. Yeah. It's, you know, I don't necessarily always give homework, but if I see something that might take more time outside of a session, I'll say, Hey, you may want to explore that. Yeah. And you may want to, you may want to look into that a little bit more and then report back to me and see, tell me what you found out. Cause I am honestly just as excited to find out what their breakthroughs are going to be or, you know, right. what they, what they come up with. It's, and that's kind of the example of, they already have the answers, but mm-hmm. they don't know how to find the answers. And you're the problem. You just ask the right questions or you can, right. you can, you are able to pinpoint the right questions or just ask them. Well, like even you said, uh, I forgot you said something kind of like, well, let's, let's set that aside or let's hush that away or something. Or you don't say, no, that's no good. But I, I don't know. You're saying something, how it's not about I'm telling, not telling you what to do. 
I'm just right. helping you to figure out, okay, we need to do this first and that second and this third. And even like, yeah, I've got all these grand plans. Well, have you done step one? Oh, well, no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then Absolutely. I've essentially, I've essentially told myself, oh, I need to do step one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And even, you know, relaying it to grief work and because I, f- I feel like grief work, I wish everyone could have just like a mini little coach on their shoulder, right? As we're doing grief sure. work, because we, we like to have this vision of, well, when our grief work's done, then this will be how my life is. But then we don't ever actually take the time to say, wait, what am I going to do to help me heal through this grief? Actually, my action plan is just avoidance, denial, um, distract myself, not talk about it, or just sit here and never leave and take the neck and, and never take that next step to, to work through that. You know, I, I'm a visual person. Nobody can see me waving my hands, but... You know, so here's point A and here's point B and point B is on the other side of this, this grief, whether it be a small daily grief, a huge loss, a loved one, a job, um, a relationship, mm-hmm. you name it. But we oftentimes want to go around it. And the longer we walk around it, the wider that grief gets. But if we can lean in and it's a shorter distance, it doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. Like you said, mm-hmm you know, being uncomfortable, finding the ability to sit with that discomfort and realize, oh, maybe I'm actually not grieving the loss of this relationship. I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually grieving my weekly Starbucks with this friend. <laughs> I'm, you know, it, it can yeah. be something of like, that was my self care time, you know? So sometimes what mm-hmm. we think we're grieving isn't what we're grieving. And I went kind of, you know, no, figure, and, and, figure and what eight you're there. saying, yeah, what, my mom had open heart surgery two years ago and I saw in real time, and I don't think she would mind if I told you this. I saw her go through active not grieving. the cycle, but active grieving. Mm-hmm. I, I witnessed it. I mean, it was, I, I don't know if this is strange to say, but it was such an honor to be present and watch it. Yeah, watch right. It yeah. right in front of me. Amy, that's, Amy that's, that's one of the reasons I was probably drawn to you. So continue. <laughs> <laughs> but just to be present to her and remind her, I said, Mom, this is grief. This is grief mm-hmm. and, and it's okay and it is okay. And I'm right here and I'm not going anywhere. None of us are going anywhere. We'll be here when you come out of surgery. We'll be here when you're in recovery as you recover. Cause it did, you know, it didn't just end right. once bypass surgery was over and you know, she was all stitched up. I mean, this, this went on for weeks, months um, as she continued to work through some of those feelings. And, you know, I think we all want to make things better. We want to say the things like, you know, short-term sacrifice, long-term gain, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and everything happens for a reason. If somebody tells me my dad died for a reason, I'm going to have to really restrain myself, have some, have some good things happen because of that really horrible, crappy experience. Yeah, but don't tell me he died for a reason. But yeah. I also, but at the same time, I also don't want to discredit if that's someone's like true belief, and that's how they. It's hard well, for me to wrap my head around it because sometimes I just think shit happens, and and I think people truly do want to comfort. Yeah, it, they do. it's with good they intentions. Yeah. It's with and good I intentions. do not want to shame anyone that. In some cases, it's it's not helpful, and so sometimes it's reframing how we look at something, yeah. and and is it going to be helpful in taking that next step to get through some of the pain and discomfort? If so, then great. You know, like you said, it's always looking forward. Is 
is that statement, is that way of thinking going to help us look forward to take that step? Yeah, right. Yeah. Break down uh, that visionary plan because, gosh, Jim and I could talk all day about ideas and things we want to do. And it's like, oh, yeah, we, we have to stop talking. We have to actually like, write down and do something. Oh, yeah. And so that's well, the, and you use the word you come in. You use the word reorienting earlier. And it's kind of, it's the same, it's all these re's, right? We just need to re fill in the blank. Right. Um, and, you know, one of the, the metaphors or like a visual that Martha Beck used to always use is that you can turn pretty you know, like a big cruise ship around if you just change the what the rudder one degree yeah right it'll take nice. a long time right. but you will eventually change direction and i yes. you know we want again we want to make such big changes like fresh start i'm gonna you know blah 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 i'm gonna do this and, it's, and by next week i'll be a brand new woman and it doesn't it just doesn't happen that way the expect you know those are some unrealistic expectations mm-hmm. but but taking those little turtle steps, those tiny little steps, those little one degree um, changes in in orientation, that reorienting, as, as I said earlier, is super important. Um, and and knowing what's realistic and what's unrealistic. But I, I you know, to the whole uh, theme of grieving, I think if we just first and foremost understand that. Everyone grieves a little differently, mm-hmm. but the source of the grief is not to be compared. And I don't know, maybe I'm wrong in this, but especially right now, I feel like I'm on, I'm in an ongoing grief moment. Sure. And I exercise, like I have to do the things because emotions are energy and motion. So I have to move these emotions through. Otherwise they just, so I will exercise take the same walk I've been taking since last March in my neighborhood. I've, you know, worn a path um, and writing and journaling. And I have a, a, a morning um, routine that I do. And uh, so there's lots of things that I do to help keep those emotions moving yeah. through. You're taking those baby steps and th- those baby steps turn into a path. Like you said, a well-worn path. And so I'm yeah. just, I just appreciate all the insight that you've shared and that one degree turn, you know, as we're sitting here um, at Speak and Tell Studios on the 14th floor overlooking the river bend, you know, we see barges, but we rarely see barges turn around. Right. They technically could. They could. With I one, actually saw it happen one day. Yeah. And, and yeah. what they do, like that is hard work. People think it's like lazy working on a barge. Uh-uh. They're, they're, constantly reevaluating, reorienting because, oh goodness, there's a log that comes in the way. Something, something happens that wasn't part of the plan. Looking over this river and thinking of, okay, we don't know what's around that river bend. And right. just those tiny little restep moments or resetting mm-hmm. ourselves. Sometimes it's mm-hmm. not about redoing it because it wasn't bad, because it was bad or not good enough, but just resetting ourselves so we can look forward, so we can be present in the moment to look forward. So Amy, if people want to know how to get in touch with you to continue these conversations, to focus moving forward, you know, no matter what's around the river bend, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Sure. They can find me on my website. It's Amy Lloyd, A-M-I-L-L-O-Y-D.com. And I'm on social media, of course. So Facebook, um, it's Amy Lloyd Coaching is my business page. Go there. Um, and I have an Instagram page as well, and it's coach underscore Amy. 
And of course, my name is Amy is A-M-I. And um, th- so you could get a, you could reach me any of those places and I will um, certainly love to um, yeah, work with you. I do offer discovery sessions. And so these are 30 minute free sessions that just allow the client to determine if coaching is even a good fit, mm. if that, if we're a good fit, because yeah. sometimes, you know, um, someone can talk with me and think, you know, I, I don't know if that was such a great fit. And that's what that time is meant for. Absolutely. And, mm-hmm. and if I determine that maybe coaching isn't what that particular client may need, then of course I can refer out um, to people like you. Oh, well, <laughs> Amy, thank you again for sharing your time. And I'm, I'm excited that more women in our community will just know that there are options out there for them. Thank All the you. ripples in the water you are making. So, oh, thank you. Thank you. I really had a great time. So, appreciate you having me. Today's episode is brought to you by DeAndre Wilson a serial entrepreneur. Are you wondering to what a serial entrepreneur does? No, they don't just eat cereal. Are you wondering what social entrepreneurship is? No, they do way more than just networking. Be sure to tune in to Rivers Fog here in a few weeks to hear more about how he manages to balance several endeavors and still manages to take naps. Jim, how pumped are you to be here at Speak and Tell Studio looking out this window right now? This is awesome. We are at the 14th floor building and we have one of the best views ever. Podcast, if you want to do a podcast, whether it's a one-time thing or you want to come in regularly, you can do that. Yeah, what's great is that if you're just interested in doing a podcast, you don't know much about it, these guys are stellar helping you walk through, I mean, like newbies like Jim and I. And in addition to their podcast recordings and their assistance there, especially what speaks kind of to Gemini and what matters most and thinking about grief is they do these memory recordings. So if you're not, if you don't know anything about it, check them out at speakandtellstudios.com, recording voices of your loved ones to always have with you. Speak and Tell Studios, check it out.